Hello and welcome to another weekly podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. If you're in the Mankato area, join us every Sunday morning at 10.15 a.m. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at MankatoHilltop.org. Out here, I'm going to read this. It's at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. And this is Jesus' conclusion to all that has happened in the last three chapters. Here he is speaking to the crowd at the very end. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you who behave lawlessly. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Holy Scripture. Well, I'd like to just take a moment here and enjoy where we are in this setting. Can hear the birds. Some of Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount was, consider the lilies of the valley, consider the natural world, and how God cares for it. Actually, Uh, Starting next week, for a couple of weeks, we're going to do a sermon series talking about God's care for creation. But before we do that, we need to finish up the Sermon on the Mount. I want to start by telling you just a little bit about what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. And, you know, that conflict happened, it started a while ago. And our congregation has been very prayerfully supportive of that. We've also been sending money to Ukraine and to help with the mission there. And the war continues to have its ebbs and flows. It is what it is. It's a war between the countries of Russia and Ukraine, despite what either of those two countries say about it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Christian leaders in each of the two countries, but there's a bit of a war going on theologically between the Russian Orthodox Church and the other Orthodox churches. That's the West, that's the, excuse me, that's called the Eastern side of Christianity, the Orthodox side of Christianity. We live in the West. We are probably very familiar with the Western side of Christianity. Bishop Kirill, who is the person in charge of the Russian Orthodox Church, has been doing some things that other Christians around the world are saying, that doesn't seem right. Blessing soldiers as they go to war to kill people. 
blessing guns that are used than to go and kill people in this war. You can find these pictures online. Just Google Russian Orthodox Church blessing guns. You'll see Orthodox priests and others who use their faith, tie it to their nationality, and do what many people in the church around the world see as something that this isn't right. Now, this is not the only place where there can be a marriage between the church and the nation. In fact, that happens in our own country sometimes too, doesn't it? With Christian nationalists. We've talked about that. We don't need to go into it. But one of the things about our country in particular to many other countries is we do have this very strict separation between church and state, although that's being challenged more and more these days. I don't know if you know this, but there is no United Methodist Standing Army. We don't have one. Do we have United Methodists who serve in the army? Absolutely. Yes. There is no one Christian leader who kind of speaks for all the Protestants in the world in a way that Orthodox and Catholics, Orthodox uh, have one specific leader like that. And of course, you are familiar with the Pope who speaks for Catholics. Which, by the way, you know the Pope doesn't have an army, right? If we go back to the Middle Ages, there was a lot of blending between nations and leaders. The Holy Roman Emperor, was he a spiritual leader or was he a national leader? He was kind of a mix of both. And the Pope doesn't have an army. Actually, do you know who guards the Pope? Have you been to the Vatican? You know who? They got those really funny, uh, you know, they're all dressed in like stripy blue and yellow. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone know? You know what it's called? Huh? The Swiss Guard, that's right. I knew the German professor would know. <laughs> yes, the Swiss Guard. And why, was, why are the Swiss guarding the Pope, you might be saying? Actually, it's, it's kind of a long and complicated story. But you know a little bit of the politics of Switzerland that uh, they try to remain neutral in many, of the wars, in many of the world's conflicts. It wasn't always like that, but Swiss Guards were known for being defenders not attackers. The mercenaries that could defend faithfully, but they didn't go out and attack. And that's what the Pope needed. The Pope needed defense because the Pope, like, many, like a lot of other Christian leaders, um, is one of those people who is targeted for assassination. So the Swiss guards are the ones who protect the Pope. They do that because they're some of the best defenders. I start with this because it brings up all of the issues of the Sermon on the Mount to this point. Here we are at the end. Jesus is saying to the people, hey, you need to listen to what I just said. And when we do that, when we listen to what he has said for the last three chapters, and then people's actions look different than that, it causes a bit of a disconnect. When we meet Jesus on that final day, we might ask the same question that Jesus proposes. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we do all this nice stuff for you? Well, first of all, that's not grace. Grace is not doing all of these things for Jesus. We don't earn our place in heaven by what we do. Rather, it's by what Jesus does for us. 
Let me explain. Jesus had just finished talking about discernment. That's what, we, that's what I preached on in the message just before this. And how we will know false prophets by their fruit. He said to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing and inwardly are ravenous wolves. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. So he lets us know we should be able to see in people's actions if they're following what he just taught. He's up there on the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving all of this teaching, and then he'll say, you'll know if they're following what I'm saying by the fruit that they produce. Now we all, all of us here, we all, we want to seek the truth. We do, all of us. Nobody wants to live by a lie. We all want to live by whatever we believe is true and want to actually live in some, by something that is actually the absolute truth. Many times we have boiled our faith down to something that we just believe. And maybe that's what faith has been for you, is for you today, or maybe it's something that you remember from growing up. Put your belief in Jesus. Just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. It was all something that happened in our head, a thing that we would make a decision for Jesus. Now, that's not wrong. I'm not saying not to do that. But it stops short. See, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, when we hear his teaching and words, when he lays a claim on us, when we experience his grace, when we accept him into our heart, then we get involved in what Jesus is doing in the world. But sometimes in our attempt to secure Jesus as a truth, we can separate our beliefs from our actions. This is what Jesus is particularly worried about. He just got done preaching this whole message about, hey, you got to love your enemies. You got to learn how to forgive. You got to learn how to do all of these things. And he's worried. He's like, "Mm, are you going to do that? Or are you just going to believe this stuff about me? So when we believe and say, when we believe one thing, when we, when we say, yep, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Yep, I'm going to do, uh, I, I believe who you are. I believe you're the Lord. But then we act in a different way. Now we're lying to ourselves. We're not living by the truth. We're, not, we're, we're deluding ourselves. We do this all the time. It's why I love donuts, and you do too. I know I'm not supposed to have that but I'm going to act in a different way because they're sitting right there. They look delicious. This is why when we talk about following Christ or when, we following, when we're following him, it takes discipline. Just like it might take discipline on our diet, just like it might take discipline in our exercise, it takes discipline in our faith life to receive the words that Jesus says and to also put those words into action. So when we are wronged, actually learning how to forgive. Oh, but that's hard, Jesus. It's just really easy believing in you. I don't want to forgive those people because I don't like them. He's like, tough cookies. (laughs) Right? Learning how to love means learning how to love people who might be difficult. 
And so I, you know, sometimes it, we, we hear this assault on truth. We hear this in, the, in media or we hear this in our world and we talk about, you know, what is true and people make up their own truth and you do you and all of this stuff. But I think Jesus says there's a truth when our beliefs and our actions come together. When our beliefs and our actions come together, now we're living by a truth, actually living by his truth, because it's belief in Jesus, not just any belief. Now, when we separate those things out, we can, either way can be, can be wrong. I've been talking about when we just believe, but the other side is also true when we just act and we don't believe. We just act. We'll just do good stuff in this world. I'm going to try to earn my place in heaven if I could just, you know, get out there and do these things. That's not how it works. That's not grace. We can't earn our place. Jesus freely offers us eternal life. Not by the actions we do, but by the actions he does. So sometimes we can get also on the other side of, I'm just going to work really hard for God. I'm going to try to earn my way right into heaven. But the Christian faith is centered on grace. In fact, I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, in those days, you're going to come to me, and you're going to say, look well, look at all these mighty things we did for you. And he's going to be like, you still missed the point. It wasn't what you did. It's what I did. Now, I want to give you kind of like an illustration of that. I got my work gloves here. I just grabbed these out of my car. They got the safety green in case, you know, you're working and you need to, like, tell someone to stop. <laughs> stop backing up. So you can signal to people like that. It's a long story. Anyways. <laughs> I think of beliefs in action kind of like hand in glove. Okay? Beliefs. Actions. Can we do actions? Yes, absolutely. We can use our hands and do actions. But as anyone who does manual labor know, it's not too long before this hand is getting pretty beat up, right? Come over here and do some mulch and move some rock, and what's going to happen? You're going to get scratches all over your hand. It's going to get pretty beat up. Uh, what good is my belief if my hand isn't in it? Try to pick something up with this? It doesn't work. It takes our beliefs with our actions to put that into work. We need both of them. One without the other is missing something. A lot of times, a lot of times, we just have belief. I believe in Jesus. I'm just trying to believe, and I believe in him. And then we leave, and we... Someone wrongs us, and then we act incoherent with that belief. Well, Jesus would have said to go forgive that person. Yeah, but I don't want to. Hmm. Now our actions aren't mirroring our beliefs. Or sometimes we're just working really hard, beating ourselves up. I just need to work all this stuff for Jesus. Whereas his grace covers that. His grace covers all those actions. They're actually his actions, not ours. Once we have the belief, then we let him guide us, and we let him work that out. We will know whether we are either living by Christ's guidance or when others are not, 
Because Jesus told this at the very beginning of the sermon. What did he say? He starts the sermon by saying, blessed are the... Who, are, who is he saying is blessed? The poor, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those are the people who know what they mean to live by truth. And living by truth means putting our beliefs and our actions together. So when we live this life of faith that's centered on grace and God's actions through us, there's nothing that can shake our confidence. Nothing, absolutely nothing. There will be many things that try. Absolutely there will be. It's not if the storms will come, it's when the storms will come. And we have all experienced the storms in different various degrees. Some of us have had much more stormier things than others. But those who live confident in grace, those who live confident in their belief and action in Jesus Christ, they seem to weather the storm pretty uh, easily. Maybe you know some people like this. We call them the saints of the faith. Maybe they are someone in your life and you can point to them and you can say, how do they do it? What is it about them? I would like to say, I think it's their belief and actions in Jesus Christ that makes them different. When we live this way, we have lives that are shaped according then to Jesus's life. There is no other way that truth can be brought through Jesus other than following him. Belief and action put together. And he says, then everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be the wise man who built his house on the rock. See, the only foundation that can weather the storms of the world is that foundation of Jesus. The only foundation that can weather political turmoil is Jesus. The only foundation that can weather broken relationships is Jesus. The only foundation that can weather all of these hard concepts is Jesus. He doesn't call you and me to be heroes. That, that's for the Marvel movies. It really is. We're not called to be heroes. He's the hero. He's the one. That's his job. We're not called to put ourselves in his place. We're called to follow. See, to be a disciple means to learn and to live those lives that are dependent upon God. When we live this way, we're such a people that lives lives capable of surviving both good and bad fortune. So the news that you probably don't hear that comes out of the Ukraine is on-the-ground reports from pastors. But I want to give you one today. And what seems more like belief and action? What Bishop Kirill is doing in Russia? Blessing armies and guns and sending soldiers to war? Or this pastor who provides this first-hand account, Volodymyr Brechenka? I will always remember the first weeks of the war when thousands of people needed to be evacuated because Russian troops were destroying our towns and villages and were doing our best to help as many people as possible get out of that horror. One time we were evacuating children from an orphanage. The route was dangerous due to constant shelling. There wasn't enough space in the bus for everyone, so each person had a child on their lap who were trying to calm and comfort that child. I'll never forget that evacuation operation. 
We are witnessing huge needs, a huge need for God's light to be poured out on the people who have lost loved ones, who no longer have a place to live, who have become injured and who are suffering from the traumatic experiences they've endured. It has been a big challenge. Prayer is vital and will keep our hands strong and able to work. I'm extremely grateful for all of our friends from abroad who support us. Your help has had an incredible impact. That's a first-hand account of a pastor on the ground in Ukraine. That's just one. We could find many others. They're hard to find sometimes. Which one sounds like it's a solid foundation? It looks like maybe in Ukraine the foundations are crumbling. But one of the reasons Russia hasn't just wiped them out is, did you hear the solid foundation in there of those people's faith? And while the Russian army looks like it might be big and might come and steamroll anything, is it really built on that solid of a foundation of faith in Jesus? Really? Which actions look more like the actions Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus, when he got done with all of this, the crowd says, He was one that taught with authority. There is so much that I have mentioned during these past several months since Easter Sunday, and I feel like I could go back and preach a sermon on several of these things. We didn't even get to half of the Sermon on the Mount because we had to get through it in just a few months. We probably could spend a whole year going verse by verse, verse by verse, and Jesus is teaching. But part of the reason we do that is because his teaching has authority. Jesus, the Son of God, when he speaks to the crowds, he speaks with authority. Where does that authority come from? It comes directly from God. His words that he shares helps us understand God's will and God's heart for the world. So you'll probably hear me continue to reference back to the Sermon on the Mount several times as I move forward in different series. These words are full of God's authority because they're spoken by Jesus, who teaches us how to put our beliefs and our actions together. May it be so this day. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Don't forget to visit us online at MankatoHilltop.org.